0: You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Before I hop into uh, today's message, well, I'll give you the the title. It's on your notes there. Today we're going to be talking about how to be a, a moldable masterpiece, and we'll get into that in just a second here. A moldable masterpiece, what does that mean for us? Um, you know this past week uh, we had an interesting week. We have a uh, Gavin last Christmas got a puppy uh, for Christmas, uh, and so we successfully uh, pulled it off with Gavin where uh, you know he didn 't know that there was a puppy until christmas morning it was It was perfect in that sense, uh, but our puppy at this point in time is is still technically a puppy but is a, a ninety pound uh, great dane puppy, uh, so not quite a year old yet, but ninety ninety solid pounds okay so um we uh with the great danes you have to wait a little bit and uh she's a female her name's holly you got to wait a little bit uh till they grow up to almost you know to how big they'll be full grown uh before you can give them the uh the bob barker treatment you know what i'm talking about with the surgery and you send them in and you know so we don't have any accidents down the road all right so uh that happened this past week in our household the bob barker treatment for uh our puppy holly and um you know whenever we went to pick her up from her surgery, uh, she came walking out, and she had the cone of shame on any dog people in here, or maybe your cat may have ever had to wear the cone of shame before um, and you know you know your dog or you know your animal, and you know especially for a younger one when, how excited they are how um, crazy they are we have a 90 pound puppy right so she's wild and crazy and she runs all over the backyard and if you uh, when she comes in if you're not careful she will run all over your bed and your couch if you let her she is uh, we're getting her under control but it's a work in progress okay don't judge us all right so um, anyway she comes walking out she has this cone of shame on right and it it is a basically a violent weapon in our household right now she comes walking around and nothing is safe Uh, your knees are not safe your anything that's on the counter is not safe anything that is nearby she doesn't realize or she didn't at first realize she has to slow down in order to safely maneuver the house. And so even when she would try to get in her kennel, uh, she would get hung up. She would usually run into her kennel because she's so excited to go to bed at night. And so she would still run and she would get hung up on the doorway of the kennel. And so she's fighting this thing. And it's, it's, it sounds like she's battling a monster or something out there uh, whenever we put her up. But it's like, it's this huge battle. But to see her over these past couple days, it's been crazy to see how the cone of shame has affected her. Her overall demeanor, right? It, it it works in several ways. Yes, it keeps her from getting to her wounds or anything like that, but it also keeps her from being crazy because she started to realize I can't run around, I'm going to hit stuff. And she basically walks around in shame with her head down and very gingerly walking around and very pitiful looking at us. Uh, what did you do to me? Why did you put me in this situation? Please take this off of me. Uh, and she's looking at us that way. But she's walking around not her normal self. And here's the point I'm getting to today. What I want to talk about today in God's word is this. I think many Christians live their life with a spiritual cone of shame on that either they put on themselves or they allowed someone else put on them. But the cone of shame is not God's desire for you. But you've been walking around for years, spiritually, maybe not physically, but spiritually with your head down, discouraged, lacking energy, Not having fun, not having the joy of Jesus in your life. You've been walking around not your normal self. It's been hindering you spiritually from doing all that God has for you to do. Just like it does our dog. She doesn't run around like crazy because she's nervous she's going to hit it. She can't do everything she wants to do because she knows she's going to get caught up on something. For you, maybe for somebody listening, maybe that's been you. If you would be honest for a second and take a step back and say, I've lost the joy of my life along the way. I've got caught up, and somewhere along the way, I've allowed this cone of shame to be put on me. Maybe you put it on yourself, maybe someone else put it on you, whatever it might be, but you've been walking around spiritually with your head down, and you're just wondering, when is this thing going to leave? And today, my heart in this is, it's a very simple message, my heart in this is just to show you God's perspective on you, and to help you take that cone of shame off today today. Does that sound okay? Does that sound all right? I don't know about you, but that sounds good to me. I want to know how can I keep people or the enemy or someone else or even myself from putting something on that doesn't belong to me, that's not my identity. Because here's what happens. As soon as we take uh, that cone off of our dog Holly, she's going to be totally fine. She's going to be free to live how God has designed her to live. Right? She's going to be free to do what she is called to do, how she's supposed to act as a young dog, how she's supposed to run and, and wrestle with the other dogs like she's supposed to, but she can't until she gets freedom. And that's my heart today. Here's our key verse. It's found in Ephesians 2.10. I love the New Living because it says it like this. For we are God's masterpiece. Everyone say masterpiece. Say it again. Masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And so that's point number one is this, is that we are God's masterpiece. You need to understand this, how God looks at you. You need to understand, not just understand it in your mind, you need to believe it in your heart. When you read these verses, you have to ask yourself, do I believe this? Do I believe that I, Pastor Dan, that I am God's masterpiece? Can I tell you, I've gone through seasons of my life where I haven't believed that. I would say I believe that in my mind. Maybe I know that. But my actions have proved otherwise. My actions have proved that I don't walk around with the confidence in God knowing how he sees me. And I would walk around around in shame or in guilt or whatever it might have been that had been holding me back. Do I believe that in my heart? A masterpiece is defined simply as this, an artist's best piece of work. I tell you, when God sees you today, when he looks at you today, that's what he's thinking. Wow. He's saying, I did good on them. I Man, I put a lot of gifts in them. They have incredible potential. Man, they are my best piece of work. Now, here's the thing. I'm not saying that to you so you can be prideful and selfish in yourself. It's not what you have done. What? It's the, the creator who has created the masterpiece. So who gets the glory for what God has put in me, what God is doing in me, what God has the potential for me to do? It's all him. He gets the glory for it. But too many times we allow other people or other things to tell us that we are not God's masterpiece, that we are not worthy, that we are not good enough, that we'll never be good enough, that we'll never be to where we want to be, that we'll never see that relationship healed, that we'll never be um, in that certain place that I'm longing for my goals, my dreams, whatever it might be. I'll never accomplish it. Because of some lie that I've believed from somewhere else. Let me just show you a few verses of what God says about you. Look at 1 John 3.1. It says this. See how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us his children. And that is what we are. The almighty God. In heaven is looking down. And when you put your faith in Jesus, he is saying, you are now part of my family. You are reborn. You have my spiritual blood flowing through through your veins. Welcome into my family. You are now my kids and God is the perfect father. He's looking at you. He's not mad at you. It doesn't matter how your earthly father represented God, how your earthly father treated you or wasn't there for you or abused you. That doesn't matter because that's not God. He is perfect. He's not crossed armed looking at you, waiting to, to kick you while you're down. He's saying, no, let me help you. You are my masterpiece. I've created you for more than how you're living. This is how God sees you as his children. I would never look at my son Gavin and wish ill on him. I would never look at my son Gavin in any time that he has been sick in the past, say, oh, well, he's going he's to learn a lot through this. Oh, man, he's going to be, he's gonna be uh, better. I'm glad that he has the sickness. Never once have I ever said that. Your heavenly father doesn't say that about you either. Can I tell you that? When you're going through something, doesn't mean you won't be tested. Let me, let me say it this way. The enemy will tempt you, but God will test you. Sometimes some things happen in your life, and through it, God is going to use it as a test to see, will you trust me more so that we can get out of it together? But God is never up there saying, hey, I'm glad that you are suffering. Why? Because he sent Jesus to suffer for us. He's poured out all of that wrath on sin. He's poured it out on his son, Jesus, so that you can walk in freedom. It doesn't mean I won't face some tough times. It doesn't mean that it might not be tested from time to time. It just means where's my perspective in this? And let it never alter that God caused this thing that is stealing or killing or destroying my family. That's the job of the enemy. Jesus said, I've come to give you life. And so I need to know where it's coming from. But I can tell you, just like in the life of, of, of Joseph, he said, What the enemy meant for harm, God will use for good. And that needs to be the story of our life. It's all in perspective. i got to remind myself, though, that's the heart of the Father. Look at Psalm 139. It says this, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I love the ending here. Marvelous are your works. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I think many times we know that part of the verse, but I love the ending because the writer is truly accepting it in his heart, and he's saying it back to the Father. How marvelous are your works. Wow. God, you've done a lot in me. You have a lot for me. God, I recognize what you're doing in my life, and that's what he's showing us. You know, several times through Scripture, we see God, or we hear God in, throughout his word, that he uses the analogy of the potter and the clay, That he is the potter and and we are the clay, that he wants to shape us and mold us and create us into something that he's going to do a work in our lives. And here's the thing, we have to realize that he does this because he wants us to remember that he has the skill, that he is the artist, that he has the mastery, that he is the creator. He is the one that wants to do a work in you. And it's never a work to hurt you, it's a work to make you better so you can fulfill your purpose. Whenever a potter looks at a clump of, of clay, right, they can see the potential. They have a mind saying, this looks like a clump right here, but I can turn this into a pitcher with the right touch. They can see the potential. But how heartbreaking it is it to take a clump and to make it a beautiful pitcher and then for that thing to just sit on the, the shelf and collect dust. Never to be used for what it was created for. But many times this is where we spend our lives. God has created us with gifts and with talents to further his kingdom, but we've allowed someone to take us as a pitcher, uh, imagine it that way, as a pitcher and set us on the jar and say, well, you're just not good enough like these other ones. You're not well enough to be used. You can just sit here and collect dust while the rest of us do the work for the ministry. And God is saying, no, I have created you in such a way that I want to use you to further my kingdom. But here's the thing. He has called you and me to yield to the beauty and to the fullness of who he is. And here's where the key is. Everyone wants to be a masterpiece. But you have to ask yourself, am I a moldable masterpiece? Am I humble enough to let God through his word go to work in me so that I can do what he's asked me to do and be all that he's created me to be. Here's what we have to realize. Becoming a masterpiece is completely up to the condition of the clay. Can I say that again? Becoming a masterpiece is completely up to the condition of the clay. You can have an amazing artist, an amazing potter. However, if you hand them a blob of hard clay that's already become hard... They're going to be very limited on what they can do with it. They may still do some work with it, but not to the fullest potential. My job is this. You don't become the masterpiece of God by being hard, clumpy, stubborn clay, right? You become his masterpiece when you are soft and moldable. He wants to create you in such a way so that he can show you off to the world and say, look what I've done. Have you ever met somebody who lived, they, they lived their life for a while, for many years before they met Christ, but then when they met Christ, it, they truly did become a new creation? Like, they met, they, they met Jesus for real, and they, they went all in with Jesus, and then you meet them again, and you say, I don't even recognize you. Like, you were the, you were the person that was doing all of this stuff back here, and now you're living for the kingdom. Have you ever met somebody like that before? That's exactly what we're talking about here. Whenever we don't know Jesus, so many times we become this hard clay and the the potter is saying, if you would let me get my hands on you, if you would be willing to be soft and moldable again, he says, I will come in and I'm gonna get rid of some of that junk that's not necessary for your purpose. I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna shape you in such a way that you can fulfill what I've asked you to fulfill. He wants to create you and he wants to show you off and say, look what I've done. And whenever you meet those people, that's exactly what we do those people will tell you, look what God did in my life. I was lost. I was addicted. I was, I was trapped in sin. I, was, I had no friends, but look what God has done. He has truly redeemed my life. Look what he did. That's God's desire for us. Not that we would try hard to be moldable, moldable clay, but that we would be humble enough to be moldable clay so that he can say, let me now exalt you. Let me lift you up and do what I want to do in your life. God desires to make you his masterpiece. He desires to make you his masterpiece. That's not the issue, okay? God, the way God sees you is not the issue. The issue is, is the clay yielding and is the clay moldable? God sees me a certain way through his word, but do I believe the way that God sees me? that's going to help me be moldable. And I know that can only come between one-on-one time, between us and God together in his word. Here's point number two. When we look at Ephesians 2 is this. You have to realize that we are God's masterpiece. I've got to change my mindset to see God's perspective about me. And then I have to realize this, that God, we are made new in Christ. He wants to make me brand new, meaning this, no matter what I've done, no matter what I've been through, even after I may say I'm a Christian, but I continue to, to struggle with things, God has the power to create things brand new. This is what scripture says and shows us time and time and time again. And so many times we take the responsibility of becoming brand new on the inside on ourselves, and this is where we get into works. Like, I'm going to try hard to be a good person. And if I fall, then I'm going to miss church for several weeks or several months. And I'm going to get away from God. And once I clean up my act, then I'll start praying again. Then I'll go back to church again. And God's saying, look, I want to make you brand new on the inside. Now, it's your job to renew your mind every day. It's your job to get in his word and to renew your soul and your mind. It's your job to get control of your flesh. Yes. But that can only come when we allow God to make us brand new on the inside. Let's look at a few verses. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things have become new. This verse has incredible power if we believe it. If we believe it. Too many times we, we, we think, we limit God and we think, God, there's no way If I come down and I get prayer, if I go down to the altar and I give my life to Jesus, there's no way that you can just make me new so I can actually walk out free from some stuff that I'm dealing with in my life. Can I tell you, God's word says otherwise. Does it mean that you're not going to be tempted by stuff in the future? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying there is freedom available in an instant when we believe it. There's freedom available for us to humble ourselves and say, God, I need you to make me brand new. And then tomorrow, I need you to help me walk in my newness. And I'm gonna do my part by getting in your word. I'm gonna do my part by renewing my mind. I'm gonna do my part by abiding with you with the whole, my entire day. I'm gonna be with you and walk with you. But there's power in the newness if we would truly believe it and humble ourselves enough to say, God, help. Will you please help? That's what he's waiting for is the invitation. He's standing at the door and he's knocking and he's saying, I want to help. Would you allow me to come in and to shape you and to mold you and to get rid of the junk that doesn't belong there anymore? Look at Jeremiah. I love this. Jeremiah 18, one through four. It says this, the Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, go down to the potter's shop and I will speak to you there. So I did as God told me and I found the potter working at his wheel, but the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So he crushed it into a lump of clay again, and he started over. There's a couple things I want to point out with this. First thing, I'm going to read some some commentary from my Bible. This commentary is from Jack W. Hayford, and this is so good. I'm just going to quote him on it, so I don't have it on the screen, but just, just bear with me here. He says this, Jeremiah visits the potter's house at God's command. There he learns that the potter sometimes rejected some of the pot's. Perhaps because of poor quality. So, God is sovereign over his people, Judah. What the potter makes depends on the quality of the clay. What God makes of his people depends on their response. The clay can frustrate the potter's intention and make him alter the vessel as the quality of the clay limits what the potter can do with it. So the quality of a people limits what God will do with them. Do you see why it's important to be moldable? What does that mean? It just means to be humble. Here's what it means, simply put, is that we accept God's word over any word. God's word over any word. That's why here at by Church we say, everybody's welcome here. You can come here if you don't believe. You can come here and, be, and, and, and sit and receive. You can come here if, if you're still living in sin and you don't, know, you don't know if you even believe in God. You can come here. But at the end of the day, that won't affect the message that we preach. At the end of the day, if you really want to find freedom in God, we're going to say, no matter what your lifestyle is right now, we're going to ask you to submit to this thing, to the authority of God's word. That's the only place you're ever going to find freedom. It's only through Jesus. It's only through his word. And the truth will set you free. Not somebody who's comforting you in your sin, telling you it's okay. No, someone who will say, hey, that is sin, but I got good news. Somebody came to give you freedom from that sin. Somebody came to show you life when you think you only have death. Someone came to bring healing when you've only been told sickness. God has things for you. But we're going to ask you to bow your knee only to the word of God. But here's what happens when it comes to the potter and when it comes to the clay. Not only is it us being humble, but I want to look at it from the other aspect of what other people can do to us. Sometimes we live our life in such a way where we are moldable, but we're not moldable masterpiece to God. We are a moldable piece of clay to others. And just like the, the potter in this, this, these few verses here, what, it, what happens is he's shaping this thing, but the jar does not turn out as the creator has hoped. He crushed it, and he made it brand new. Many times, this is what happens. We let someone else or something else come in and shape us. And our creator is looking at you, and he's saying, no, hang on. You're a jar, but I've created you to be a pitcher. No, no, no. He's saying, no, that's now not how I see you at all. That's not what you're meant for. But if we're not careful, we let outside voices who are not our creator, who then for don't have a right to tell us who we are, we allow them to tell us who we are. We allow them to tell us that we're worthless when Jesus said, you're worth everything to me. You're worth dying for. They allow us to tell us that, that, that we're ugly, that we're not good enough. And God said, no, you're made in my image. You're beautifully and wonderfully made, and how marvelous are my works. You are good enough. The the people will tell us that we're sick, that we'll never overcome it, but Jesus said, by my stripes you can be whole, that there is hope for you, there is healing for you, there is something more for you. We must learn to refuse to let anything other than God and his word shape who we are. If I'm going to be made brand new in Christ, I cannot allow things or people that are opposite of God's word, that aren't backing God's word, I cannot allow them to speak into my life and to shape me into anything. Here's why. Point number three, God has good things for you to do. That's the end of Ephesians 2.10. No matter where you're at in this life right now, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, whether you're employed, whether you're not employed, whether you're retired, or maybe you're just trying to figure out what your career is, God has good things for you to do for the kingdom. He's got a plan for you, He's got a job for you. Does it mean that you're going to be in full-time ministry? Not necessarily. One of the best things that my, uh, when I worked at Chick-fil-A many years ago, one of the best things that my uh, owner-operator told me is early on, he felt called to ministry, and his pastor said this to him, don't confuse the call to ministry with the call to minister. Everyone in here is called to minister. Few people will be called to ministry full-time, but everyone is called to do something for the kingdom. It doesn't matter if I'm bread and chicken at Chick-fil-A or if I'm serving coffee or if I'm on the construction site and I'm pouring concrete. It doesn't matter. I'm called to minister everywhere that I go. It doesn't matter if you're a stay-at-home mom and you're just loving on kids and holding babies. Can I tell you, that's, that's the, one of the purest forms of the gospel there is. That's one of the highest callings there is, is to be a mom. Why? Because it's selfless. It's saying, I'm willing to lay down everything for what? For someone else. Can I tell you, can I encourage you in that? There's no such thing as, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. No, you carry the kingdom with you. You can minister to those little ones. Man, it's so important. Let's look at Ephesians 2. We'll we'll look at it in context. Ephesians 2.8. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation, it's not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. And here it is. For we are God's masterpiece. Can I tell you that? When you're reading scripture, uh, it's good not to take things out of context. Like when we started with Ephesians 2.10, It says, for we are God's masterpiece. This is why I wanted to back up and see, what is the for? Where's the for coming from, right? You need to read things in context because the first part sets up the second part. The first two verses are explaining how we are God's masterpiece in our own striving, by me being better, by me trying to beat my sin on my own, by me trying to beat this addiction that I keep going back to on my own. No, no. By you trusting in Jesus, by putting your faith in him and his salvation, what it then creates it to where you now, so you received, he can make you new. And now what you can be for now, you can be God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. No, I'm not saved by works, but I am saved for works. And if we're not careful, we can make Christianity comfortable and easy And I don't ever have to do anything. As long as I go to church on Sunday, I'm good. And God's saying, no, I need you to be the church throughout the week. I need you to minister throughout the week. I need you to walk and be like me, to live and love and look like me while you go. Whether it's at home, whether it's at the restaurant, whether it's to your waitress who was doing an awful job. However it is, you need to represent me well. I have good things for you to do. I'm not saved by works, but I am saved for them. I am saved for them, it's what scripture says. So that we can do the good things. He planned for us. He's got a plan for you. He's planning on you doing things for his kingdom. Can we sit in that for a moment? What an honor. Think about your life. Think of your friends. Think of your coworkers. Think of your sphere of influence. Think of your neighbors that you live next to. Can I tell you something? The things he, God has planned for you to do it involves those people your neighbors are not your neighbors by accident your coworkers are not your co-workers by accident you're not a family member of that person by accident long ago God knew you and he saw you and he said I got a plan for them they are my masterpiece I'm gonna make them brand new if anyone tries to hinder them mold them. I'm going to crush them back down. I'm going to make them brand new into what I have for them. And then I'm going to release them to do what I've asked them to do. And that's the question we have to ask. Am I doing what God's planned for me to do? I'm not just talking about career, things like that. That may be it for you. Maybe you have some changes you need to make. But again, I'm saying, are you making the most of what God's giving you with those relationships, with those people? Are you making the most of the opportunity or are you too busy to even see the person? Are you too busy to see the person? Philippians 2, 12 through 13 says this, It says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. What? I got a job to do. The result of my salvation is me now going and operating like Jesus to people around me, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Here's what hinders people from living, loving, and looking like Jesus or believing that they're God's masterpiece and doing something for the kingdom. Well, who am I? Well, I don't feel like it. Well, it feels a little out of my comfort zone to go across the gym and pray for that person who I can see is, is hurting right now, who has a, a brace on. I don't know if I can do that. That seems weird, but God's prompting you to do it. Guess what? You don't go in the power of your might. You see how good God is? He solves all the issues for us. When I don't have the want to, it says God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power. Obedience, I said this last week, obedience trumps feelings. Every day, you're gonna not always, <laughs> always going to feel like doing things for the kingdom. You're not always going to feel like praying for someone when you should. You're not always going to feel like worshiping when you should. You're not always going to feel like, I, I, I don't feel comfortable praying for that person or t- asking if I can pray for them. You're not always going to feel it. But obedience trumps feelings. When I walk in obedience to God's word, knowing who I am, that I'm his masterpiece, I go with the want to of his Holy Spirit and I don't go in my power. I go in the power of his mind. He gives me the power to do what pleases him. So when I go lay hands on somebody and I pray for them, several years ago, I was working out and as I was going to this gym, there was this, uh, you know, you get to see a lot of the same people coming in and out. There was one lady that came in and she was blind but she was at the gym like every day for like two hours. And she, she had a, a, a walking stick and she would, she would maneuver her way and, and do the machines. She would get on the elliptical, like it was crazy. But I knew that I was supposed to go pray for her. And I was gonna pray for her healing, for her eyes, yes, but I was, I was just like, I'm just supposed to go pray. And can I tell you this? Everything in me as a pastor said, I don't want to do that. All of my flesh and my mind said, no. Why? Because whenever you go out to talk to somebody, right, you can see them from across the way. Like I can see Landon, I can go up and I can, he sees me walking towards him. So he knows something's about to happen. I have every excuse, right? Well, how do I get her attention? Like I've never talked to her before. Like she can't see me coming, but I'm gonna go introduce myself. She doesn't know what I look like. She doesn't know how old I am. She doesn't know anything about me, but I'm gonna try to go and pray for her. It took me a few days, <laughs> but I got my pride out of the way and I said, I'm, God, I don't feel like it, but I'm gonna walk in obedience. And can I tell you, I went and I prayed for her and you know, it, <laughs> it, was, it was awkward at first, but she was the sweetest lady. And I, I prayed for her and after I got done praying, she said, thank you. And here's what she said to me. She said, I have perfect vision because I have God's vision." And I just said to her, I said, you have more faith than maybe anyone I've ever met. Because she was truly not walking by sight, but walking by faith. Her perspective was, I'm blind and I'm limited. was not that I'm blind and I'm limited. Her perspective was, I still walk with the vision of God because I walk by faith. And then she prayed for me. And I walked away and she, she kept crushing him, but I was an emotional mess. I left because I was like, I, I got nothing else to give here. Obedience trumps feelings. And I'm not up here to say that I'm perfect at this stuff, but I'm telling you, we're in this together and we're striving to live, love, and look more like Jesus. But it's not in our, don't put the weight of the responsibility on you. I have to do it. I have to strive to show God how, how great I am. He's saying, if you would humble yourself, and come to me. I will give you the desire and I will back it with the power. My job is not to do the miraculous. My job is not to to heal her eyes when she is blind. My job is to pray. It's what we see in the life of Jesus. The disciple's job was not to multiply the food to feed 5,000. The disciple's job was to break the bread and hand it out. Natural. Then God can do the supernatural. Am I willing to walk in obedience even when I don't feel like it though? Salvation, it has nothing to do with works, but I love to say it this way. Discipleship, once I have been saved, it has everything to do with works. My salvation has nothing to do with my works, but my discipleship and my obedience as a good disciple of Jesus has everything to do with what I am doing and how I am stewarding what I've been given. What am I doing with what I've been given? Am I stewarding God's kingdom here on earth? Jesus said freely you've received, now freely you can give to others. Let me say it like this, God has a calling on your life. He has things for you to do, but you'll never experience it if you're clinging to the world over God's word. If you're clinging to people, more than you're clinging to God. If you're clinging to your job, more than you're clinging to him. Let me show you. Let's finish Philippians two 14. Let's, let's go to two fourteen through 16. It says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. And here it is. How do I do all of that? Hold firmly to the word of life. I'm not living clean in my own power. I'm not shining bright in my own power. It's only when I hold firmly and cling to the word of life, which is God's word. God has a calling on your life, but again, you'll never experience it if you're clinging to the world or something else over God's word. When I'm willingly and knowingly doing what is opposite of the word of God, it will eliminate me from God's maximum use. Can I say that again? When I am knowingly willingly doing what is the opposite of the word of God, it will eliminate me from God's maximum use. Does it mean he can't work in my life? No, it doesn't. But from his maximum use, I've taken myself out of the game. When I know God's word, and I still say, I'm going to do what I want to do, even though I, says, I know that this says no, that's when I walk in trouble. That's when I'm setting myself up for, disaster. Many people want to be used by God, but they aren't willing to let God shape them. I'll shape myself, my plan for my life, my 10-year goal is this, my, my, my. And it's good to have goals. It's good to be chasing something. It's good to be on the move, yes. But at the end of the day, my plan is plan B and God's plan is plan A. And I say, God, I'm moving. And if you say don't, I will stop. Or if I need to adjust, I'll let you adjust me. If I need you to mold me, please mold me. If you need to take some stuff out that I don't need, take it out. If it's a relationship or or sin or if I'm dealing with something, God, move it so that I can do what you've asked me to do. But too many times we love culture and we love the world and we love our sin too much to be used by God in a great way. The only way to overcome that is to do what Ephesians says. I've got to realize that I am God's masterpiece. God wants to make me his masterpiece. He's looking at me and all he sees is potential and he's seeing how amazing you are. And he's saying, man, I did good on them. I've got to allow myself or make sure that I'm not allowing anyone else to shape me, to mold me, to put that cone of shame on me. No, you're not my creator. No human is your creator. No human is your Lord. They have no right to label you then. Not good enough, not worthy, not anointed, not called. They have no right to give you that. And if they try, you can throw it in the trash. When the enemy tries to give you that, throw it in the trash. When you try to put that on yourself, put it in the trash because it doesn't align here. This is your identity. It's good, it's good to take, you know, you can take personality tests and you can uh, go to, you know, and, and try to figure out what you're called to do and things like that. But this is the only book that will truly tell you who you really are. Can I tell you that? This is the only one. This trumps everything. It's the only book that will tell you who you truly are. If I get molded in a way that my creator doesn't want me to be, he will make you brand new no matter what shape you've been molded into. Brand new in Christ. You may have to crumple you up and start fresh, but can I tell you, you'll be brand new and you can walk now on purpose because God has good things for you to do. Don't think that you're out of the game. And if you've been sitting on the shelf for too long saying, well, I don't know what God's called me to do, ask him. Do these things and ask him and he will show you how to minister right where you're at. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Thank you for your word. God, I thank you that your perspective towards us is love, that you are love and you are good and that's what you do. You love us and you do good things. And God, I thank you that though we may be walking in such a way that people have tried to limit us, hold us back, shape us in a way that you've never designed us to be shaped like or do things that we're not supposed to be doing. Lord, we ask you as the clay to the potter, we just ask, Lord, that you would help make us moldable again humble us again. Make us be humble in your sight so that you can do what you need to do, so you can shape us how you need to shape us, so that we can do what you've asked us to do, God. I pray for anyone in here that has lost hope in their calling. Maybe they feel like they're not good enough to do work for your kingdom. Well, whether they're called to ministry or whether you just need to remind them of their call to minister to the people around them, I pray that you would give them a fresh fire for what they're doing that you will remind them that you're with them, that it's your power and it's your want to and it's your will for them to go and to operate on your behalf. And God, we expect great things from it as we look to your word and we hold firmly to your word. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, Or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.